Good morning once again, and thank you, Annie, for reading the scriptures. And these are two of my favorite to preach upon or even to talk about. There's so much here that there are literally volumes written both about this ending of Job's long journey and Mark's gospel about Bartimaeus. Um, Just a couple of comments that, that had to sort of stand out. One was when we got towards the end of Job when he, and he read for us and he said that uh, talking about the way that Job treated the daughters and the sons, that in all the land there were no women as esteemed as the daughters of Job and Job gave his daughters and sons equal shares of his inheritance. So see the Reformation started long ago, even with Job. And then, and then the part that, it, it, you know, it just, it just strikes home so much of what we learn as we go forward, I think. And that is how important it is to forgive others. And here was God saying to Job in this story, okay, now you pray for your friends. Pray for them. And then after Job offered up his prayer for his friends, the prayer of forgiveness for all they had done, and of wishing upon them, I would imagine, God's blessings. Then things began to become restored. How important the forgiveness is in all of the things that are part of following the teachings of the tradition, this tradition and and the teachings of Jesus. And in the gospel this morning, we we get a a look into what's going on towards the end of Mark's gospel where we're about a week away, two weeks away in the gospel from the, the final, the Passion Week and the crucifixion and death and resurrection of Jesus. So we're, we're coming close. We're, we're on our way into Jerusalem now. And this story of Bartimaeus is wonderful when you stop and you think about it. Here, here's this crowd of people with Jesus walking down the path and from the fringe somewhere is Bartimaeus calling out, calling out. And when he finally gets forward to Jesus, he says to Jesus, Rabbi, Rabbi. Jesus says, what do you want? What can I do for you? And he says, Rabbi, I want to see again. My question to me, and if you like, to you, is were Jesus standing here right now? Hello, hi guys, I'm Jesus. And we all knew it was Jesus. And he said, what would you like me to do for you? What can I do for you? What would you ask for? Would you ask to see? Well, you might say, well, you know, I I already have sight, so I'm going to ask for something else. But the question is, do we really already see? And it's a big part of Mark's gospel, as I said, that concludes with this story of Bartimaeus. And Mark wasn't necessarily talking about another miracle story here or a healing. Mark was talking about something broader, that blindness has been a part of a unifying theme for some time in Mark's gospel. Now, it may seem a little strange to think that the evangelists and other writers actually had this broad theme or narrative in mind when they wrote these stories. You know, we think that the 
the stories that they told then are the way that we read them now, a little piece at a time. And, you know, we gather together and we, we tell a little story and we read some writings and then we worship and we pray and we try to understand it. And, and, that's, and that's wonderful. But they really did have something broader in mind. And these little pieces are called pericopes. I always want to say pericopes because that's how I remember their meaning from the word periscope. It's sort of a pericope is a way of taking an excerpt from a larger story and looking at that for its meaning. But that's not the whole story. It's only a part of it. And Bartimaeus is a part of the broader story. And that part began earlier. You may remember in in Mark, going back a little bit into chapter 8, Jesus is in Bethsaida, and he's struggling to give a beggar back his sight. Do you remember that part? The beggar came up to Jesus and said, I want my sight back. And so Jesus took him outside the crowd, down by the river, and he put some different readings, say, um, dirt and spittle, or just spittle onto his eyes, and he says, can you see? And he says, well, I see people, but they look like sticks or trees walking. And Jesus says, okay, and he puts a little more on him, and he says, yes, now I can see. Looking at that, we might say, well, why didn't he just get healed right away? What, what, what was the deal there? And I think part of it is that we bring doubt with us so often to things. And maybe here's this beggar. Look, if you're a beggar, by the time you were a beggar in those days, and, and even if you're marginalized today, think of how invisible you might have become to people. Think how difficult things might have been. So how many promises have been broken and maybe how many you yourself have broken. It's a, a, a path of broken promises in many ways. But here is this beggar saying, okay, I'm going to try one more time. I, I, I want to see. And maybe in the back of his mind going, I don't think this is going to work. And then all of a sudden, wait a minute, I, I can almost see. And perhaps, yeah, this is going to work. And Jesus does again. And of course he sees. And Jesus might have said then, in fact, I think he did. I don't have the quotes in front of me. Something to the effect of your faith. Your faith has healed you. And then there was Peter. Remember Peter, who was, this is in Mark also, he was criticizing Jesus. You're not doing this right. Why aren't we doing this? We got to do this. We got to do that. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Why are you tempting me? Don't you see what this is about? Don't tempt me with your vision of what you think it's about. How long do I have to be with you before you get it and you see And the meaning of disciple, part of the meaning of disciple is one who follows. That necessarily means you're going to be, you know, behind in a way. You're going to follow. And part of Peter's arrogance was that he was stepping out in front. Here's what you got to do, God, Jesus. Here's what you got to do. So, you know, we have that story. There's still this sight and the disciple aspect coming in here. And then, of course, the sons of Zebedee. Last week, I think it was Zebedee with James and John, 
who they're sitting around and they're, they're all traveling down the path and they're arguing with one another. And Jesus has an idea of what's going on. He says to them, so what's this argument about? And they say, well, we, we, we want to ask you something, Jesus. He says, okay, what, do you, what, what can I do for you? There it is again. What can I do for you? And James and John say, we want to sit at your right and your left hand side when the kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus says, do you realize what you're asking? Can you drink this cup that I'm about to drink to receive that which you ask? And they say, oh, of course. Well, clearly they didn't see what this was about. They were still caught up in this idea that the son of David and this Davidic reign, that what they were expecting really literally was all these good things, but they were looking for a kingdom, a castle, and what they felt they deserved. So the arrogance, again, got them in front. And Jesus tried gently to tell them, you don't really see what's going on here, folks. So we come to Bartimaeus. We come to Bartimaeus and this, this group. And there he is, marginalized on the outskirts once again. And... There he is shouting out from the margins. Shouting out from the margins. And those who were around Jesus with this beggar shouting out from the margins go, shh, quiet. Hey, don't, what, are you, what are you doing? This is Jesus. We're, we're on our way to the kingdom, right? Those who once had been marginalized themselves and knew full well the sting and the persecution of the Romans as well as the difficulty of living in that society who now thought, okay, it's coming to us. We're ready to separate others, to do what others had done to them. Not quite in a golden rule fashion. And Jesus hears Bartimaeus crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He didn't ask for a seat at his right or his left hand. He didn't ask to lead the parade. He didn't ask for any of those things. He asked, have mercy on me. And Jesus hears him and says, bring him to me. And then suddenly all these people are saying, get away, be quiet. Oh, this is great. Come on, come on. Jesus wants you, right? So this, this false feigned, all of a sudden, affection and compassion for this one who they were moments ago ready to reject. Did they not see they didn't see. And when Jesus says to Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, what is it I can do for you? What do you want me to do for you? He says, Master, I would like to see again. When we look at the message in Mark broadly, and specifically in Bartimaeus, and we look at the message in Job where there was Job lowering his head and saying, of course, God, how could I not have seen this? And Bartimaeus, who asked for his sight back again, who had, I guess, in some way lost it, as Job had lost it, and asked for it back again. And when he's given his sight, does what Job did. 
continued to do. He followed. And Bartimaeus now with this sight doesn't go off in a different direction. He follows Jesus. He follows him into Jerusalem. He follows in the way of the teachings that have made him whole beyond his physical ability to see again. And I think if you are like me, we're all looking for that. Beyond what we can physically see, what can make us whole again? Or maybe for the first time. Sometimes when I've felt that, it has seemed to me to be the first time. So perhaps that's the case as well. And so the question is still, I think, the same that we started out with. If Jesus said to you, so what can I do for you? What would you like me to do for you? What would you ask for? Amen.